you are listening to or watching the Mito podcast. I am Ashley. And I'm Megan. And today we have Leif Weigel with us. And we are going to, and Leif is a neurologic music therapist. Did I say it all right? Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. It's great to have you here with us. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to talk with you both. Yes, so I'm super excited because uh, Leif, you are Troy's music therapist and he absolutely loves you. And so I get to see what you do on a weekly basis and I'm just amazed. Obviously we've had quite a few music therapists in his stretch of being in school and we've had definitely some good ones, but you are phenomenal. So it's very impressive to watch all the things you do, especially this year, which is a whole different show. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. So how did you become interested in music therapy? What drove you to this career? Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, if I look back into my childhood and everything, I was always singing, always involved in music and felt very connected to expressing myself that way and relating to other people through music. Um, So I knew I wanted to do something creative and artistic in my life, but I also wanted to help people. And I um, especially, you know, was interested in how we could communicate um, through music uh, with people who maybe have different ways of communicating, um, or especially people with memory loss. Um, So my, my, my grandma on my dad's side actually uh, had dementia. Uh, And I was about 14 when she was pretty heavily declining um, in that process. And it was at the point where she couldn't remember our names and didn't know the day of the week. Um, And I had just started learning guitar. I was teaching myself. I was 14. And my dad, who's a psychologist, actually was, was telling me how music can kind of bridge these gaps in the brain. And I was like, yeah, sure. I always thought of music as more of a performance, that it wasn't um, something that you can just do, um, with people when it's not, your song's not perfect. Um, (laughs) you know, and I knew like three chords on guitar. So I actually took my guitar in to play with my grandma. Um, and I think it was the song amazing grace, um, that I started playing and she went from a state of being, you know, completely disoriented and her head was down. She was drooling, didn't know anything about her surroundings to her head up making eye contact with us and singing all of the words by the end of the second verse and I remember that moment so vividly just because it was kind of where it clicked for me that music wasn't just about performance Mm -hmm. that it was this whole other you know it felt like magic that I had just you know, did something for my whole family where we were able to have a moment of connection with her and closure before she ended up uh, passing soon after that. Um, And it was such a privilege to just be able to hold that space. And I, I just became a little obsessed with it and how uh, music touches us all and how I uh, could use that tool um, in meaningful ways in, in my own life and in other people's lives. So that was really the big moment for me of when uh, I knew that music was going to be a larger part of my life. Um, and then, you know, as I got into high school, I, I thought maybe I wanted to be like a performer or a songwriter. Um, but I always came back to what was fulfilling the most for me. And that was the therapeutic aspect of music. Um, so then I, I found a program that I loved uh, for music therapy and 
I uh, got my degree and came out to San Diego for an internship. And, you know, with music therapy, there's so many different avenues you can take, different uh, people that you can work with um, and different approaches to it. Um, and I like that as well, having the flexibility. But uh, that moment with my grandma was really the, the, the key moment for me. That's an amazing story. I wasn't prepared for that. Story. That's, that's a really touching one, definitely. And, you know, just with Troy, and like you said, he's definitely been a child that has really kind of come out of his shell when he hears music. I have so many videos of him, especially in the car, just sitting and dancing when he was little, because obviously, you know, that he doesn't necessarily have many communication skills. And it just it livens him up. It's something that he absolutely loves. So it's, right. it's such an amazing thing to see. Mm -hmm. I, I love seeing that with Troy every week, his excitement and how it, it brings a new life and energy to him. Yeah. 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 He loves it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Angie loved, loved music too. She loved dancing. My, my favorite video of her, like one of my last videos of her we're in the living room. And I always tried to just be as silly as I could with her. And um, I had this music on. I don't even remember what it was, but she was like, like kind of dancing to it. So I just turned the video on and whenever this girl loved the camera, whenever she saw the camera out, she was just a total ham. So, <laughs> so I started dancing and then she just started like doing things that she'd never done before and was like, waving her hands in the air and like shaking her head and it was adorable I loved it oh but, that is so cool to hear yeah yeah <laughs> um so what kind of activities do you normally do I've never been able to be involved in music therapy and I know uh, Megan talks about it with Troy but I've never been able to like experience it mm -hmm. Um, so like I said, you know, there's so many different avenues that a music therapist can take. And I'll just talk about the context of, of my work with uh, students in the school district. Um, so it's more of an educational model. So the goals that we're working on, music therapy is uh, just geared towards whatever goal the client or the student has. So I'll develop the interventions based on what their needs are and what they're working on. So for you know, example with Troy, he has these communication goals and these academic goals. Um, so then music becomes, I like to think of it as the vehicle of how we approach those goals or uh, get to the, the end result. Um, so it's a lot of using singing uh, and, or music as a mnemonic device. Um, and I love that one, especially because I have, uh, my approach is more of a neurologic one in my training. Um, and I use the neurologic music therapy uh, techniques like rhythmic speech cueing, which would be using rhythm to elicit speech. So uh, Megan, you see in our hello song, we do everybody's here and it's time to say hello. So uh -huh. it, the rhythm <laughs> really sets up the prompt mm -hmm. for Troy to give that uh, response. Um, and we do that with other uh, vocabulary as well. Uh, or we can use music as a memorization tool, like practicing uh, numbers and letters. Um, and a lot of times it's really an attention grabber. <laughs> it's for that okay. motivation piece and that uh, uh, just overall engagement and enthusiasm. But, you know, especially while we're on Zoom, it's so hard to uh, 
feel connected and excited about learning. And I think <laughs> uh, music and uh, keeping it engaging really um, can can give, give us uh, faster and better responses to reach those goals. Um, so it really varies depending on every student that I have. Um, some kids are working on more motor skills and I'll collaborate with their APE teachers. Um, a lot of collaboration with speech therapists to, to work more on communication. Um, and that's, that's probably the most fun for me. I love to, to work on the communication and get kids using their devices or trying to say new words. Um, but working on the motor skills is also really fun because rhythm and dance, you know, we, we can utilize all these elements of music to um, kind of prime our body to know when to move. So for example, if uh, a student's goal is to reach their arms up, we're gonna have the music in pitch go up. So it's like lifting up your arm, bring it on all back down, kind of prompting. Um, so those are just, just a little sample of some of the things we might do with students. Um, but in other contexts, you know, uh, music can be used as a social or emotional tool. Um, if I have a student that's working on who has like a more psychological type um, goal where they're working on self-confidence, we might write an affirmation song about the positive qualities that they have and engage in like discussions about lyrics that um, are uplifting or ones that they feel connected to or um, that they might identify with if they're going through something difficult in their lives. Um, and I really enjoy that too, because music really, for me, holds a lot of emotions and is a place where we can, you know, just pour our everything that's hard in our lives into a song and then we don't have to hold it inside of ourselves anymore it can just be held by the song and um I think that that you know spans the, the life the lifespan from kids to elderly people mm -hmm. um yeah music can really support us emotionally so absolutely I think my favorite part about music we're a big music family too is the memories that it brings back that's mm -hmm. one of my favorite things as you hear a song and you just remember, oh, remember the 90s? They were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or you remember where you were or who you were with. It's just so amazing how music mm -hmm. can actually do that. You know, yeah. like, you can almost smell the smells and the, it's just, that's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, my next question would be like, what do you see are the benefits? I see them in Troy all the time, um, mm -hmm. just with him you know, bringing out his communication skills, working on his communication skills and um, just movement and things, which, you know, gross motor is a big thing for him too. But when you work with some of the other students, what are some of the things that you see, the benefits that you see with them? Um, definitely in speech and communication, like uh, working on articulation goals and uh, using singing as a way to practice uh, making a mouth the mouth shape and strengthening the oral motor skills. Um, I see that and motivating uh, steps if they're working in a gait trainer. Uh, I'll, I have one student who uh, was having a lot of struggle, you know, taking a step forward and we put an, a ukulele in front of him and all of a sudden he's taken like 10, 12 steps <laughs> down the hallway just to oh, reach for awesome. the, the ukulele. Um, so I, I really try to look for what what uh, parts of music or what style or genre 
um, or instruments each student is into. Because, you know, music is so vast. Every, everyone has a different, um, you know, preference. Some kids love Katy Perry, some like Santana. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I love that you do that. You totally ask, what is Troy listening to right now? And of course he's all over the book, but yeah, Santana, and then you learned one of his songs and I was like, they're awesome. So I wanna do what, you know, my students and my clients are most excited about um, in music. Uh, And it's really cool to, you know, it's a little more difficult over Zoom right now, but when I was going in person to classrooms, to, you know, have talked to the parent earlier that week to know what the student is into and then bring it into the classroom and show the teacher that, hey, if we're using their preferred music and something that they're really excited about, look at their response and look how much more engagement you can get with them. And I, I feel that that really empowers the teacher too to, to feel like they have a stronger connection to their students um, and the students have more buy-in to, to work hard in class. Um, and just in general, for all of us, when we're listening to music that's meaningful, um, it it bonds us and it it makes our whole lives uh, have more meaning. Um, and you're you're right, Megan. Like there's there's uh, songs that come on, and I'll immediately be transported to the place that I first heard it. Um, so you know, students can start to develop their own uh, personalities and preferences, and I think you know that's that's a human right regardless of our you know communication abilities or how we communicate um having having a personality and sharing that with others is really important and I think music is a special way to uh for a lot of the students that I work with but music is the way that they can uh share that part of themselves something to connect to mm-hmm. that really transcends you know so many differences, language differences, uh, cognitive abilities, whatever it is. So, definitely. Mm-hmm. Have you found um, with this year? Uh, I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but with Zoom, um, has it been pretty difficult to uh, move to that kind of a platform, or have you found? some kids might flourish more in that way. Yeah, it's really been a surprising mixed bag. I anticipated it being horrible across the board for every student. And I was excited to find that uh, some students are actually doing better, I would say, uh, in the virtual setting because there's the novelty of having the technology. Um, and there's also the, the, the visual aids that are right there. Um, and I have the ability to, you know, pull up YouTube and use sound clips and sound effects that, that makes it more engaging for uh, students. There's definitely a handful of students where I'm just like constantly racking my brain trying to figure out how to connect with them. And, um, you know, they really need that tactile aspect of music therapy, like the, the physical vibrations of the, of the sound or the instruments to work on their goals. Um, so the model of music therapy for those students have, has become more of a consult with their you know, home support or their parent, or in some cases, siblings, whoever's with them most, I'll, I'll kind of coach them and tell them what to do with the student instead of um, doing it myself. Um, and you know, I think there's empowerment in that too, to, to be able to share 
some of these strategies and ways to use music that can, can help the students reach their goals and um, you know, the people that are working with them can have that indefinitely in their life uh, using music uh, with their, their students. So yeah, definitely a mixed bag. I, I feel like I've grown a lot as a therapist in, in the past year um, in my creativity and the ways that I'm utilizing technology. And I think in, you know, moving forward as things start to open back up and some students are going back in person that, you know, I, I will continue to utilize those skills from this time. <laughs> and I really see the whole field of music therapy shifting um, to include more virtual models for, for people um, and also education in general. So yeah, um, yeah, there's definitely benefits that were not expected uh, and mm -hmm. of course challenges too. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know for Troy, he definitely loves watching you play the guitar. Um, and so that's a little bit harder on Zoom, but right. he still is super engaged, so yeah. right. And I think Troy is one of those students that uh, I, I feel like I still can connect with him and, mm -hmm. and he is benefiting from the virtual music therapy. So yeah. um, <clears throat> that's always exciting. So I know that Troy receives this because he has mm -hmm. it written into his IEP. Um, so how would a parent go about actually getting this music therapy if they didn't have it in their IEP or if they just wanted to do it privately or on their own? Right. So um, a lot of districts will offer um, music therapy as a related service. Um, I, I can't speak for the whole country. I know in California that that most districts do, um, where you can at least ask for it and <laughs> find out um, how to how to go about that. Um, I work for a non public agency that is contracted with districts surrounded surrounding San Diego. So um, it's a school-based model. So all of my students have an IEP in place and music therapy is added as a related service. Um, and it's based on educational need. So uh, like Troy went through an assessment process mm -hmm. to determine his service level hours um, and what kind of model is best for him. So some students will, you know, just have a small amount of hours and it's more of a consult with the teacher. And then there's some students that it's more appropriate to have a direct service where they're getting it on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, um, just depending on what their goals are and how much extra support they need. Um, so that's more of the educational model. And I know, you know, some districts or school sites might be more flexible about, about those things, but um, it's all, you know, under the basis of free and appropriate education. Um, and then there's, of course, the clinical or the private model of music therapy, which um, would not be through the IEP, but those music therapists could work on IEP goals as well if uh, the parent would uh, ask for that. Um, so uh, for education, I'll work off the IEP goals that teachers write, or speech therapists write, um, and support as like an alternative um, method of going about reaching those goals. Um, where in clinical music therapy, typically the music therapist will come up with goals with the parent um, or maybe like an ABA provider um, or sometimes a teacher perhaps, um, just depends why, why they're coming in. Mm -hmm. um, and for private music therapy, there's uh, most likely an intake uh, process 
just to get to know the student a little bit more. Um, and you can probably find private music therapy just by Googling it in your area um, or going to the American Music Therapy Association website and you can put in your zip code and see what's available um, around you. Um, yeah, so that, that would be the best way to go about it probably. <laughs> well, is there anything that we didn't cover or anything that you wanted to add? or tell any of our listeners? Yeah, I, you know, when we were talking about how music can take you back to a, a moment in time um, and, you know, talking about some of the interventions that we might use in music therapy sessions, uh, it always fascinates me a lot to learn about the brain and what's going on neurologically um, uh, and why we get these types of results and, you know, the changed affect and the communication coming out. And uh, one of the coolest things that I learned about music is how it's processed in so many different parts of our brain. Like when we speak, our language center lights up if you would look at it in an MRI or something. Um, and then like our speech center lights up. When we dance, our motor cortex lights up. Um, when we're doing, just sitting doing critical thinking, we have our frontal lobe that lights up. But when we're listening to music, it's the language center and it's the motor center and it's our auditory processing system. And like the whole brain is working together. Um, and I think that's just so cool <laughs> and that there's so much more research that we can uh, do here. And it's exciting because there is a lot of research coming out about music and the brain um, every day. It's hard to keep up with almost. But, uh, because of that, you know, if somebody does have brain damage, uh, music can work as a detour to kind of bypass those areas that are damaged um, or the areas that might need extra support and kind of utilize the whole brain at once instead of just trying to target that one area that's maybe weaker. Um, so uh, that's just something that I love to share uh, with parents and teachers uh, is that, you know, music's fun and it's cute and dancing is great, but there's actually like neurologically, uh, our neural pathways are strengthening when we listen to music, um, especially our corpus callosum, which connects our two hemispheres together um, and gets our whole brain to work, to work um, as one. So I just wanted to share that because I'm kind of a neurology nerd. <laughs> I was gonna say that's pretty amazing. I didn't know that, but that shows how important it is. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, those uh, even more parts of the brain light up when we do dancing together. So um, I try to you know, include in, in my sessions with students a lot of movement and this uh, bilateral kind of dance moves because that really, uh, has the two sides of our brains work together and primes it for whatever the lesson is to come after that. So it's like a, a brain warm up essentially. Um, and I, I notice a lot more success in sessions when we start with some movement um, to music and get our bodies moving um, than if we just dive right into something. So, yeah. That is exciting. Well, yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Lee, for joining us. And I appreciate all that you do with Troy. You are amazing. And by the way, you have an absolutely beautiful voice. I haven't heard oh. that yet either. <laughs> Thanks so <laughs> that much. birthday song you did for Troy was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun making that. Oh, good. That's, also, that's one of the benefits of uh, virtual music therapy is I learned... Uh, how to record music a little better and make some beats and get a little funky with my exactly my well, good. oh fun I'm, I'm sorry. sad I missed that I will send it to you um well like Megan said thank you for joining us we both really appreciate having your perspective and just being able to talk about music therapy because I don't think it's talked about enough and I think it's one of almost one of those hidden therapies that a lot of families don't really know that's out there to be able mm -hmm. to be quiet. And for the exact reasons that you just said, but how much of your brain is involved when you do music therapy and right. I mean, all, we all enjoy some sort of music. We all turn it on in the car. We all want to have some relaxation time. We all need to get pumped up for something. And if right. you get those emotions, imagine what else your brain is doing. And especially for, for like you were saying with, with kids that have, or even adults with communication, um, uh, I don't wanna say issues, but different ways of communicating or like motor skills or like, even if your child isn't able to move like a neurotypical child, that doesn't mean that this won't work for them. This could help them. right? Um, I think it's very exciting and I'm, I'm glad that we were able to talk to you and just bring that perspective and I'm hoping that that will inspire more families to at least look into it or maybe just go and play some music for their kids more often you know exactly either way I think it's yeah. so important as part of our lives you know from from birth to old age yeah <laughs> yes mm -hmm. uh, so thank you again for, for being on the podcast with us. If you are listening, this was the Mido podcast. If you have any questions or if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, please email us mitopodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and mitopodcast.com. Mm -hmm.